What's up, everyone? This is Adam, and we're back again uh, for the Long Run Podcast. Holy shit, it's been a long fucking time. Um, obviously, we've all been super busy. Corona kind of hit everyone, but joining me today, we've got uh, two people. Definitely not as large as many of the other podcasts we've had, but you know, uh, during these times, you have to make do with what you have. Uh, joining me today, we have, of course, Mark Kropinski. How you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on? Good to hear from you, man. I know that uh, you've been had a lot of stuff on your plate and starting your career and all that. Doing, uh, like doing okay. Yeah, yeah, getting by. Good to hear, man. And of course, uh, joining us also another veteran of the podcast is Andrew. How you doing, Andrew? Good, longtime fan. Uh, excited to do this once again. Yes, a long longtime fan converted into someone who's actually on the podcast now. So. Uh, this isn't to say that we're taking open applications. Andrew's the, just that special of a guy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Adam. Appreciate it. Of course, brother. Uh, so today, gentlemen, we're going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's latest movie. I have a, a lot of thoughts uh, on this movie. I, I just saw it last week, and I know both of you have seen it quite a while away. But I, I guess before we even get into like the movie itself, I'd love to hear both of your opinions on just... Quentin Tarantino and his filmography like uh, how, how do you guys feel about him as a filmmaker were you excited going to the movie you know talk to me a little bit about that okay uh do you want to go first Mark or do you want me to go uh I could go yeah I mean yeah this, shoot. yeah this this one uh um I mean I like Tarantino I, I still there's some of his stuff that I haven't gotten around to seeing just yet but generally generally speaking I mean, it's Quentin Tarantino, you know, he, make, he makes quality movies. Right. So I was pretty hyped for this one, especially because I, I like that whole 70s aesthetic. But um, I got I to say, did not expect to like it as much as I did, I think. Oh, I, this... I really, really dug this. Okay, this is interesting. It. I can't wait to hear your take. Okay, uh, how about you, Andrew? All right, um, I just want to say uh, I was very excited to do this um, podcast today just because um quentin tarantino is one of my favorite directors i must have seen pretty much all of his movies at least like three or four times not kidding not even kidding you kill wow. bill is one of my favorite movies of all time uh pulp fiction is right up there um i went into this movie with high hopes mm -hmm. um the last movie i saw i don't remember if it was might have been Django. was that the last no he did the hateful eight yeah right? hateful eight hateful, hateful eight was his one before that correct yeah um I mean, that movie was passable. Um, I went in higher hopes with this one because I was kind of excited to it um, because, you know, there was a good line of uh, great actors and everything. Right. And I have to say, I was <laughs> I was not very satisfied, in all honesty. Ooh. I, I, Ooh. This is going to be a good podcast, <laughs> boys. This is going to be a good one. Sorry, Andrew, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, I mean – it's interesting to see his movies progress. Like his movies are always evolving, but they still have that Tarantino feel when you go see one. Uh, this one was just kind of a letdown. It was. It, I found it kind of boring at times, kind of slow. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the acting was kind of like. I mean, it was good, but it, it just felt like very. I don't know. I feel like I. I just felt kind of like it was not one of his best. Um, directed movies in all honesty interesting interesting okay okay we got ourselves a podcast today so I, I feel like you know obviously quentin tarantino one of the most acclaimed filmmakers of his generation like the only person who i think has gotten as much like not only attention in terms of like at the box office but also critical acclaim is christopher nolan like they, they are both filmmakers who they can make whatever they want and hollywood will be like yeah sure just take the money like go make it kind of thing right they can make any vision that they want because that's how uh, successful they've been in the past, right? Uh, I got to be real with you. I did not think that Hateful Eight was good. Like, I think I got an hour in. I was like, I'm so bored. And I just turned it off kind of thing. Really? Um, Agreed. Now, I, I, I only tried once. So it's not like I tried a lot. I love Django Unchained. I think Django Unchained is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> yes. love, when I first saw Pulp Fiction, I didn't get it. Uh, but when I watched it second time, I was like, okay, I get it. And the whole point of it is that it's, it's the joke, right? I thought it was like supposed to be like super dark and, and like a really, really big commentary when it's really almost like a spoof film in a way. Um, just like what would actually happen if he fall around like Hitman, right? So I think Quentin Tarantino is, is definitely, 
a really, really good filmmaker, and I overall really love his movies. I definitely think he's a fanboy. I think everyone would agree that he's a fanboy. Like, if you ever Absolutely. hear him talk, Absolutely. my God. He also definitely has a thing for feet. Like, in this movie, holy <laughs> Jesus. It's like, God, man, back the camera up. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to lean, I'm going to be like the middleman here. I think that this was a good movie, but it never really knocked it out of the park for me. I think there are certain parts I really loved and almost like wish that I could see more of. And then there was other parts I was like, okay, like let's let's go, let's keep moving, blah 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 blah. Um, so I guess like just to start off with for for you, Mark, what what did you feel like really struck you, right? Because you said you think this is one of his best movies, right? Which is saying something, right? The guy who's made Pulp Fiction, right? Uh, Reservoir Dogs, Django and Chain, you know what have you? Well, what was it about it that stuck out to you? I mean, admittedly, if somebody's still working through his filmography, uh, for me it was it was just the atmosphere. Man, like I know a, a lot of a big criticism I've seen from a lot of people for this one is that there's a lot of shots of just cars. Right. It's just a lot of driving around Hollywood. But that's kind of what I loved about it. Because mm -hmm. because like, I mean, everybody's talked about this with this one, just how much money you can see on that screen. There's so many vintage cars so right. many vintage billboards like they put in the work they could have cgi'd it they could have just you know they could have made it cheap but it's so organic there's so many extras there's so many cars driving around and it's those scenes where it's just just the atmosphere is washing over you and it, it got me completely immersed i could totally see how some people would find it kind of dull mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. like all of that stuff just the the choice in music the fact that over the credits they're playing old radio ads there's even a bit with uh adam west in there talking about batman oh yeah 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 like i remember that it's so rich and densely ingrained in the time period that it's set in that I don't know, just just the whole the whole thing. It was crushing it for me. I I mean I I'm gonna agree with you. I think that the production design, I, I, things from uh, I guess like outside the plot. Like if we take out the plot and the story, I think it knocks it everything out of the park. I think the the music in the movie is amazing. Like you said, they really recreate. Uh, that era of Hollywood in an incredibly authentic way. I think like the costume design was fantastic. Yeah. Like you really, you really get transported uh, to to Mark's point. Uh, so I, I think that all that is correct. I think even like like what you said, Mark, about the shots. Like there's a lot of lingering, but I also think in general there's some like really gorgeous cinematography in the movie. Just the way the the shots are framed, what's in the background, what's in the foreground, kind of thing. Um, so you know, uh, nothing really to add from me here. What about you, Andrew? Yeah. Um, so what was the question? Well, really, it's just more like, what did you... Uh, Mark, the question I asked Mark was, what was it about the movie that really struck him? Um, and he said, you know, he's talking about the overall feel, uh, the atmosphere of the movie, both from a visual, music, you know, production standpoint. Um, I was just going to ask if, if you felt the same or if you feel like that was good, but despite that, you, you still didn't really feel like you liked the movie. Like, how did that play into okay. how you felt about the movie? Okay, I got you. Yeah. Um, so what I love about Tarantino as a whole, like when he directs movies, he always throws in at least one at least one really big twist, like at the end or just something surprising that you don't expect. Right. The ending, um, spoiler alert, um, none of the uh, um, characters that were supposed to die because, like, you know, they actually died in real life, but they didn't mm -hmm. get killed mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. they, they were able to survive the whole time. And, um, you know, you saw all these, like, famous Hollywood actors, people playing Hollywood actors. Like, uh, I loved the Bruce Lee scene. That I loved that oh one. Oh, my God. Probably... That's, that could be a podcast on its own, my friend. We will go into that later, okay. but keep going. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Bruce Lee movies, like, freaking forget it, dude. Like, I love them. Right. But um, I just felt like there was just so much going on at certain points. Like, I could not stay on track with the movie. Um. I thought the character. I thought the, pe the people that were acting in the movie were doing a really good job. The guy that played uh, Charles Manson, uh, phenomenal acting. Right. But right. I just, I just felt at times it was very slow. Like what I said before, it was just kind of like, um, I actually fell asleep for like five minutes. My girlfriend had to wake me up. <laughs> I just felt like it, it, it just was not something that I expected to be bored with, and I, and I was. I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't know what it was. Was it? I think it was just like. It was very long movie too. Oh, very definitely, long. definitely has a long mm -hmm. run time. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I just felt like they were just throwing in too much, and I, I feel like less is more for Tarantino because, like, you know, Tarantino can do anything, and I would love it. That's just how I am. I love his directing, but this one was just not a home run for me. Right, right. Uh, so I forgot to say this in the beginning, but this is like a full spoiler review and, like, like you know, just discussion. So if you haven't seen the movie, even though it came out, like, last it's year, this is definitely not the, po- <laughs> definitely not the, the video to watch. So uh, we're going to be going super in-depth, guys. Um, that's really interesting that you say that. Uh, I think... Um, Definitely one of the things I liked about it, to, to kind of your point, Andrew, is that I'm glad that Tarantino didn't like really go in depth about like the Manson murders. Like I was really nervous about that and like how he could have almost like glorified those. But it's really like plays an incredibly small part in the overall like plot of the movie, which I was very, very happy to see. And I, I definitely agree with you, though, on, on the runtime part and just like kind of meandering of the movie. I think that Tarantino definitely needs like either a really good editor like improve the editor that he has or in general like he might have gotten to that point in hollywood people like have a hard time saying no to him you know what i mean like kind of like the george lucas problem right where you get surrounded by yes men i feel like he might need some people to challenge his ideas because i think that if you kind of let him run wild then you get a movie that's a little too long and i definitely felt like that for this movie this this definitely felt like the this definitely felt the like this is the quentin tarantino version of like i'm just gonna put a bunch of stuff that i like in a movie oh definitely 100 (laughs) percent. i couldn't agree more some old cars i was gonna say robbie feet we're just gonna have everything yeah like i was gonna say mark that that's like you you basically said everything i just said in like less than five words or whatever so great <laughs> job on that uh yeah, but go on uh, go, go on that kind of thought though like that tarantino uh kind of just use what he liked in the movie i'd love to hear more of your thoughts on it oh yeah i, I mean, I mean one, one thing that i really dug because you brought up the whole uh manson element mm-hmm. it's like you know the, like that stuff was in all the trailers so you know right. that it's like okay you know sharon tate is there everybody knows what happened with that you know, you, you know, you know that that's going to be a part of the story, but you don't know going in how big of an aspect that is. And I love how it's all happening in the background. It's not a movie about Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate and all of them. It's not a movie about Charles Manson. It's about literally the people that live right next door to them. Yeah. So this whole independent story is going on. And then like every so often it's like, oh, yeah, Charles Manson showed up. Uh oh. And that's just, it's its like the old Hitchcock thing where it's like a bomb is under the table and none of the characters in the movie know about it, but the audience does. So the whole time you're sitting there engaged in the story, but part of your mind is like, that bomb's going to go off. And then it keeps ticking and ticking and ticking. And then finally we get to the climax and that payoff is where it all comes together. Oh man, the payoff. Okay. I don't know if we want to talk about that now, but there is one thing that I, I, I do kind of want to add. I'm very curious to see if you agree with this, uh, Andrew. But for me, one, one thing that really stuck out to me is I felt like we were going and going and going. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we have to end this movie. So then like when, on, uh, like when he went to Italy and then like there started a narration and it was just like summarized like six months into like a 10 minute scene. So I was like, what is happening right now? It felt like incredibly, incredibly jarring. Like to me... And almost felt like Quentin Tarantino was saying, like, oh, yeah, like, this movie's already at, like, two hours, and, like, we haven't even told the ending yet. Like, I mm-hmm. bet you if you let Tarantino uh, go all the way, he would have filmed all those things of, like, Leonardo DiCaprio going to Italy and filming all those spaghetti westerns and stuff like that. Like that, That's its own Tarantino movie. Oh, 100%. I, I, it just felt very uh, disjointed and not, um, what's the word? Like, it didn't feel like a smooth transition part of, like, a complete whole. Like, very tacked on. It's just like, oh, wait, we need to tell people what happened in between this and when the actual murders supposedly happened right uh and they're just like okay let's do a, a 10 minute montage it wasn't even like a good montage either but i don't know what how did you feel about that andrew did you feel the same way that's something that really struck me i was like okay this is like very lazy in a way yeah i would have to actually pretty much agree with you i just feel like um the first two hours of the movie now everyone will have their different opinions but the the first two hours felt like four hours like mm. most of mm. the like the big action, like the big scenes, like it, it, it felt like it was picking up after the two hour mark because it was almost a three hour movie. Um, the first two hours is like really slow and then it started picking up and then it just abruptly ends at, you know, the last 10 minutes, like the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Right. Um, I just I just felt like it was kind of like 
we everybody knew kind of like what was going to happen at the end, but then it was a twist, which was nice, which I which I love about Tarantino. But um, I don't know. I just I just felt like it was just kind of uh, dragging on, and then like what you said before, um, the montage sucked. In my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone else felt the same way because goddamn, it really took me out of the movie. I was like, oh my god, really? Like this this is what we're doing um yeah. yeah it was it was a little it was a little odd i i liked it because i just because i like the whole like tarantino clearly has such a love for like spaghetti westerns oh, and all definitely. that his so inner fanboy was showing for sure yeah, yeah. The, the fact that the fact that it's like okay now leo's gonna go do some stuff in italy it's like ah that's fun but also like it doesn't add much to the movie and it is kind of jarring to where it's like okay now we're gonna skip ahead a little bit have some narration come in right right i felt like this, i we're felt like up we on were the watching Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I felt like we were watching Tarantino's like ultimate like playground, like like his whole. We were like in his mind, and he had so many different ideas and stuff going on, and we saw it, and the execution of it was just like not on point. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel right. like he put all of his ideas in one movie, and he didn't even need to do all of his ideas. He could have done half of them, or even like. Yeah. small portion of them it would have been an amazing movie but it, it just felt overly cluttered mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah it definitely makes sense. It, it in a of, way it, yeah. it does have all that all of his stuff in it there's a kung fu fight there's oh, yeah. western shit there's yeah. crime shit there's 70s period shit oh yeah literally every single tarantino like trademark shows up if you if only even for a moment mm-hmm it, right. kind of, it kind of reminds me of what you said earlier, Mark. It's like it's like we all visited Quentin Tarantino's house, and he's like giving us a tour of his house. Like, guys, look at all my stuff. Isn't it really cool? This stuff yeah. is really cool, right? <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily make the like complete sense all in a row, but it, it individually, like, they're all cool pieces. Like, so this so, is, so <laughs> Quentin Tarantino making a Quentin Tarantino movie, <laughs> definitely. Like, so so to Andrew's thing, I I thought the first two hours were slow at parts, but to me, like. I'm gonna be real with you. Like, I did not care for the Sharon Tate like part of the story like at all. Like, I I oh, understand. I I understand. I understand why they were trying to what, like the purpose of it. And I remember I, I read online that the one of the relatives of Sharon Tate said that she really liked the movie because it gave um like the world a chance to understand who Sharon was, then not be defined by the fact that she died, kind of thing. And like, I can I can totally understand mm-hmm. that, and I'm, I'm I'm happy for that. But I think narratively it was like just not there for me. I think. All the stuff that has to do with Leo and Brad Pitt was by far the best parts of the movie. Like I loved Leo's like small arc of like acting and, and like trying to get out of his you know his rut. I thought that was fantastic. And I also loved uh, what's it called Brad Pitt's like escapade to like the ranch. Like the, if the si- that was the best. It was it was amazing. <laughs> it was the like best. like I, I was not expecting to like have more tension in that than like any recent horror movie I've seen since. Um, hereditary like the tension in that scene when he's in the bedroom and he's going down the hallway i was like wow first off the first thing i said in my mind was like why didn't quentin tarantino do a a horror movie what are we waiting for let's do it (laughs) kind of thing but that's what really stuck out to me uh for for those first two hours brad pitt is gonna put on a hawaiian shirt and he is going to beat the fuck out of so many (laughs) he's gonna brutalize some hippies yeah you know what Adam, I do have to agree with you. Like when, uh, like I loved seeing. Uh, I think Leo played. Uh, it was Rick Dalton or something, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I actually really. That was my like. That was what I felt like was like the high of the movie. Like showing like how the actors actually are um, in Hollywood. Like how they feel. Like the stress that they get put under, playing different characters. Like the fame getting to their heads, the money and all that. I love that. And then you have Cliff. I think that was. I, I think Brad Pitt was doing did a great job in this movie too, but I felt like when they threw in Mar- Margot Robbie, it was kind of like uh, I don't know. I felt like it was just like a separate movie, like they could have just yeah, done a separate yeah. movie just on her. Mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? I, mm-hmm. I feel like they should have focused mostly on Leo and Brad the whole time. I, like I that would be amazing, in my opinion. I feel like her inclusion was more like symbolic than having it tied to the actual plot. Because like the whole the whole movie as a whole, like it's it's even called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like it's it's a love letter to like the mythic kind of fairy tale age of the old school Hollywood star, and how right. 
like the dawn of the 70s and the murder of Sharon Tate is kind of when that all started to fade away. Definitely. Whereas whereas this is like a, a little snapshot of like, look at this great time when stars were stars and wouldn't it be great if all these people weren't horribly murdered? <laughs> Would it, wouldn't it be great if Hollywood didn't lose its sense of innocence? It just kept, kept making movie magic. Oh boy, Quentin Tarantino, right. the ultimate hipster. Am I right? Um, <laughs> no, I, I definitely understand. Like that's that's part of what Quentin Tarantino was doing. And and to to our point, I think we've all agreed that it is a really good love letter in the sense of how it depicts Hollywood back then and and how it um, probably glorifies it a little bit. I guarantee you, it wasn't as good as we all remember. But yeah. um, I, I still think it's it's really good in in, in that sense. Um, I love to hear more though, since we since we've already touched on it, like uh, the parts of. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio as well as Brad Pitt you know their arcs uh, what did both of you really like about those it seems like that was all of our favorite parts of the movie um, I'd love to hear your thoughts Mark you want to go first <laughs> uh, in terms of favorite parts yeah yeah uh, uh, of those two specifically let me talk about the other stuff too of um, of, of which two specifically of uh, Leo and Brad Pitt oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean Leo I, I love his performance in this normally i find him to be a little inconsistent but i think he crushed it in this one 100 percent agree he was great uh and i mean i mean brad pitt just anytime he was on screen i was i was happy all of his scenes were so good the, like when you could give me a quentin tarantino movie and one of the best scenes in the whole movie is just him feeding a dog <laughs> Like that scene where he goes back to his trailer yeah, the whole time. Yeah. I had a big ass smile on my face. I was like, "This is a fun scene. Nothing's happening. He's just cooking some chili, drinking a beer, and feeding his dog. And this is a great little scene. It's a great little character bit. But I mean, of course, of course, there's the there's the Bruce Lee fight. That whole scene is oh, sequence is great. Oh my um, gosh. I, I love the uh, the kind of uh, Robert Wagner connection they have where. Uh, Kurt Russell drops the bomb on the audience that apparently uh, Brad Pitt's character has is, is been accused of murdering his wife, which is very similar to uh, there, there's a real life story by uh, it was this guy Robert Wagner who played uh, he was number two in the Austin Powers movies mm -hmm. where it's um, there's there's rumors that he murdered his wife natalie wood but nobody's really sure because mm. it was it was robert wagner natalie wood and christopher walken of all people on a boat and they went <laughs> out and they came back and natalie wood wasn't with them and they were like there was a boating accident she drowned she fell overboard we woke up the next morning she was gone we don't know what happened oh christopher walken and it's half of like oh what happened and half of you know oh that was a tragedy or who knows right so obviously it was kind of an homage to that, but I love the fact to, to get into favorite stuff with their characters. I love the fact that the movie endears us to Brad Pitt where it's like, Oh, he's a good dude. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's a loyal friend. He's the kind of guy that everybody wants to be friends with. You know, he's the guy that'll drive you around, you know, he'll help you, he'll help you out. He's a good dude. Yeah. And then right when you start liking him, they're like, he murdered his fucking wife. And then the movie gives you no clarification on if he actually did or didn't. And it's just like, no, it's an unsolved mystery. You're never going to know. Draw your, draw your own conclusion. Was he, <laughs> was he always a good guy and his wife did actually die in, in a complete freak accident? Did he actually murder her? And that's why he's a cool guy now. Like he's trying to make amends. Like nobody knows, figure it out, draw your own conclusions. And I love that shit. I, I mean, I loved it too. Uh, I think that, like, I Brad was my favorite part of the movie. I'm gonna be 100 percent real. Yes. I never yeah. thought I would say that, um, and that's not to you know <laughs> a knock on Brad Pitt. He's a great actor. I just wasn't expecting that part of the movie to be my favorite. Um, I, I before before I I kind of just throw the it over to you, Andrew. I do want to just talk about the Bruce Lee scene. Like, like, let's just let's just get it out there. So the Bruce Lee scene, you know, where uh, Cliff fights Bruce Lee, and it's technically tied one one. But, uh, you know, a lot of people got really, really upset about it. Um, like, I, I think that, at least going by Reddit, which is probably not the best uh, 
thing to measure by. Reddit didn't seem to think it was that bad, but I think I saw so many people uh, in general get really offended by it. Um, and I think the more I looked into it, the more I kind of understood it. Uh, but I don't necessarily think I agree with it. Uh, but I'd love to hear both of your takes because you seem to both really like it. But do you think that Tarantino uh, might have gone too far or anything like that? Well, my opinion, Bruce Lee should have really kicked his ass. Like, no, it's not even a fair fight. Like, Bruce Lee would have knocked the crap out of him in five seconds, in all honesty. Right. The fact that he lost that. I mean, I, I, I've seen <laughs> I've seen all Bruce Lee's movies. Like, right. Austin can vouch for me. I love Bruce Lee movies. And that whole Bruce Lee scene, like, I, I was so excited to see the fight. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, like... It was definitely one of my favorite scenes, but seeing him lose, I was like, eh, you know, they shouldn't have done that. Like, Bruce Lee could, in real, real life, take him down in five seconds, like, probably less than five seconds. Sure. But um, it, I could see why people would get mad about that and upset um, because, like, people that knew him knew that he was, like, one of the greatest um, martial artists of all time. And, like, if anyone goes up to someone like that, like, you're going to lose. Right. What, what did you think, Mark? Yeah, I think I think it's just, I mean on on its own I think it's a very funny scene. Right. And uh I th- I think in that respect it really works. Um in terms of like what it was trying to say, that's where I think it gets a little bit fuzzier. Right. Cuz like I I I read some stuff where uh apparently there were like uh cuz Bruce Lee was on the Green Hornet, you know, he was yeah. Kato. Yeah. And so apparently there were stories of like when they would film the Green Hornet, it's like Bruce Lee would go a little too hard, and it's like, hey, the rest of the stunt, Bruce Lee, the rest of the stuntmen aren't Bruce Lee. Like you're kicking the shit out of our stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tone yeah. it down a bit. Yeah. So it's like maybe it was kind of like a little wink at that regard, or mm-hmm. maybe it was just meant to kind of gas up, uh, uh, Brad Pitt, because I, I think the fight happens before the the wife reveal happens like yeah, right before I, i'm i'm pretty sure because it right? happens when he's on like the ceiling right fixing the like the that was which is also a great scene by the way when he goes yeah, into the roof to fix like the, the tv roof. satellite or whatever it was so funny yeah. that antenna um and he just like remembers kind of thing and he's just remembering beating the shit out of bruce lee one day yeah. and then uh yeah and then, and then uh kurt russell gets mad at him and he's talking to leo and he's like he killed his fucking wife and it's like so i wonder if that wasn't just in there to additionally build up because i i feel like one of the tricks this movie constantly plays is you know who this person is in real life so we're going to use that to help your understanding of where this movie is like you walking in you know who charles manson is right right if you don't know who charles manson is when you get that scene where charles manson knocks on the door and goes hey i'm charlie i'm just coming around to see if someone says around you don't understand the significance of the scene right but if you understand who Charles Manson is, they don't need to build tension or drama or anything because it's already there because, holy shit, that's Charles Manson. You know who he is. You know what he does. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a similar situation where it's like everybody knows who Bruce Lee is. Everybody knows Bruce Lee is the shit. Here's our original character. And to establish to you in like 60 seconds how cool and badass this guy is, he's going to whip the shit out of Bruce Lee yeah so i'm wondering if that wasn't the the premise to where it was just we we're just going to establish real quick this is how cool brad pitt is you know bruce lee this guy could beat up bruce lee so power level established (laughs) yeah yeah now uh, now when the climax rolls around and him and his dog are soloing like a half dozen manson killers (laughs) armed with knives and guns and he kills one of them with a can of beans. Now you understand how this happens. Uh, well, if we're going to get to the, the to the ending scene, <laughs> we're going to get there because that was. Uh, I, I think all of us really enjoyed that scene too. I uh, my mouth was hanging open in a giant fucking <laughs> grin. The, it's like a five minute long scene, and I don't think my mouth closed oh, for it a was, second. Of it, it was fantastic. Great. It was fantastic. So the the Bruce Lee scene <laughs> is interesting. Like I, I think Mark brings up a great point of what it's trying to accomplish narratively, right? Because because that scene does like a lot of things to develop the Cliff character. Right, you learn uh, to his point about how he has this questionable past. It also you clearly see that he's good at fighting. Whether that's actually real or not is it seems like it was real. And I think it also puts he's a real you, salt of the earth guy. Yeah, and it also kind know? of puts into question too because he's it's not like it's a one hundred percent like true flashback. Like it's him remembering, and we all know when we that remember true, things, also, when we remember things, point. we have a tendency to like gas things up. You know what I'm saying? Like 
it could have been a way, way closer fight, but in Cliff's memory, it's like, nah, 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 I dominated the kind of thing. That's actually a, re a really good point, because it's, it's in a flashback, and it's like, Bruce Lee's being, like, really, really cocky. Like, he's wearing gloves and shit. Right, and right. Like, you know, what, well, what, the <laughs> hell, what the hell is, the, it's such a good line. Where he's he's like I admire Cassius. Yeah, yeah, and I do. He, yeah, and he's but like, I can totally beat his ass. Right, like, right. He, he's doing that thing, and then it's like uh, there's a little bit later on in the movie where he's like, he's training like Sharon Tate mm -hmm. in like self defense or something. Yeah, like I think he was and a, he does just, his, his body work, language yeah. is totally different. Like he seems like a totally normal guy. Right, right. So it could be more of that like unreliable narrator type thing. No, totally, totally, and. See, like, the thing is, I think people get really upset. Okay, so as someone who's an Asian-American and also someone who loves Bruce Lee, I totally understand, like, that we all venerate Bruce Lee. Like, for oh. God's sake, he's basically like Asian Martin Luther King. Like, like <laughs> he's, like, the kind of guy that, like, you really have to watch what you say and you can't really say bad things about him because of how much he means to, you know, not only Asians but also Asian-Americans. So on the one hand, I get it. On the other hand, too, like, this is not the first time we've ever told stories about Bruce Lee that are blatantly untrue. Like, you know how many Bruceploitation films were made after he died where he, like, came back from the dead and, like, oh, did yeah. random stuff? It's like, why are we getting mad about, like, this, like, cartoonish um, version of him? Like, I totally understand that, like, one could interpret it being, like, disrespectful. But to me, it's just, like, it was, like, an SNL sketch that, uh, skit that was, like, in the movie in a way. Um, as far as disrespectful depictions of Bruce Lee in movies, I don't think you could top having actual footage of his real-life funeral as a plot. Oh, 100%. Don't even get me started on that. Um, I, I think, like, I, th I, I read that his sister was really upset at how they portrayed him, not in the sense that he'd lost the fight, but how he was cocky, which I can understand. Like, God, like, her brother's dead. Of course she's going to have a personal, like, Because he was always a humble guy. Exactly, exactly. So I think that... Um, I understand, and they have every right to feel that way, but I think from a purely storytelling perspective, it's like it's fine. It's okay. Um, they yeah. Could they have done it a little bit better? Yeah, probably, I guess, but I don't think it was egregious, and I'm sure if you actually asked Quentin Tarantino, he'd probably tell you every single fact about the Bruce Lee movies because he's a fucking fanboy. Um, yeah. I think um, the... I think that what makes it tragic is in the sense of that as much as all three of us in this call are really big fans of Bruce Lee, we all know those, there are those uh, normies out there, right, who never watched a Bruce Lee movie and that they're going to watch this movie and assume that that's what he was all about, even though he wasn't, like, he was deeply philosophical. You know, he basically invented mixed martial arts and all that other stuff. And, yeah, I think that's unfortunate. But, like, you can't ask Quentin Tarantino to, to make him the messiah when it doesn't match his vision. You know what I mean? Right. If have you guys ever seen the movies uh, IP Man before? Yeah, yeah, It Man, yeah. All right, or It Man, yeah. Uh, um, the guy that portrays Bruce Lee in those movies, in the I think it's the third and fourth one, right? Yep, yep. You're um, on the same page. Yeah, I think that the person that did that, his personality was way more on point with Bruce Lee's than the guy that portrayed him in Once Upon a Time. Right. Um, yeah. He seemed a little too cocky, and he it was kind of like you're playing him in a video game rather than just actual an actual person almost. Yeah, like caricature for sure. Like he was, mm. my brother was laid on a little thick for sure. Um, right. But I, overall, I, I think we're all in agreement though that it was still a good scene. Uh, and also, like I, just just so people are, are clear who are listening, like Bruce Lee probably would not be able to beat Cassius Clay. You want to know why? Because Muhammad Ali was like 6'7 and like 240 pounds. Like, like <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a huge size difference. Like, let's not get into this whole thing about like, no, Bruce Lee would definitely beat Muhammad Ali. He's like, guys, like, there's a reason why weight classes exist. Calm down. This, <laughs> this discussion was the, was the entire reason Quentin made this movie. Yeah, like Bruce Lee's a great fighter. Oh my God, like, trust me, <laughs> he, he's a great fighter. Is he going to overcome someone that's like, has a, almost like, what, 100 pounds on him maybe? He's literally no. twice his yeah. weight and height. No. Um, anyway, let's get to that ending scene because I think that's something that we all three of us want to talk about. I was definitely a big, a big, uh, oh, a big piece of the movie. Oh, 100%. So I was <laughs> is the, is the big fat blood soaked cherry on this. Oh, uh, yeah, parfait. Uh, the, the capper for sure. I, I was not expecting this at all because I was like, wow, like Quentin, you really hold him back. Like, we're no, there's, there's no n word, you guys aren't like you know, cursing that much, like you, you're just not much gratuitous <laughs> violence. It's like, wow, Quentin, you really evolved as a filmmaker. Then he gets here. Uh, to this, and I was like, "Wow, you know, I wasn't expecting that. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Good stuff." Um, and then Leo immolates a, a hippie with a Nazi flame <laughs> yeah. <his> pool shed. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I've heard a couple of criticisms about the, the ending, uh, you know, kind of scene, just because like most of it has to do with it not um, like it, it's too big of a tonal shift. I've heard that before. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I'd love to hear both of your takes in general of just how, what you thought of the scene. Um, you know, was there anything that really stuck out to you? Uh, and if you think that the tonal stuff is really something that people like, is, is that a valid criticism at all? Well, I, I, I loved, I was cracking up for like oh, I was, straight two minutes. I was, I was, I was dead, bro. It was so funny. <laughs> I was dead. <laughs> when the girl was charging him like with the knife and he throws the can of dog food at her face and completely <laughs> misses. <laughs> I was literally dying. And, um, it, I thought it was just, I thought it was really funny and I thought it was m the most enjoyable part of the movie, in my opinion. Like I felt like the last, like, I don't know how long the fight was five to 10 minutes. Right. That was just, like something that I was just like very invested in the most. And I just felt like it was, it felt very Tarantino ish at the very end. Like I was like, okay, this is what I love about Tarantino. Like when he does funny crap like this, even in Django, he did stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I can see why people may have gotten upset, but for me it was it was the home run of the movie. That was that was the part of the movie that I really loved and enjoyed the most. I totally agree with you, man. How about you, Mark? How'd you feel about the that scene? I loved it. Uh, in hindsight, I definitely get some Inglorious Bastards vibes. Oh yeah, yeah. In, term, in yeah. terms of like the alt history, and then it's like let's just end in an orgy of violence. And it's funny because wouldn't it be wonderful if, if this is what happened, if these horrible people, instead of going on to do the horrible <laughs> things that they did, were, were comically destroyed by Quentin Tarantino characters. Yeah, even in Django Unchained they have that, right? Where the ending yeah. is just comical at how violent oh, it is. <laughs> I, I, yes. remember, I yes. remember seeing Django in the theater in high school. And, like, there are a lot of laughs in Django. Oh, yeah. They pale in comparison to the bit where he shoots, I think it was supposed to be like Leo's wife or something. Whoever yeah. that was, when he shoots the lady and she gets yanked back by like a bungee cable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Like yeah. plaster was falling out of the ceiling. People were laughing so hard. Like, I mean, honestly, like Tarantino, he's he's <laughs> he's got a great eye for just slapstick comedy. And he covers it up in all the blood and gore. But if you strip it down to its basics, the shit is funny because it's basically a Three Stooges routine. And when it's that just, girl is people... like... Yeah. No, sorry, what were you saying, man? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, go go on. Uh, <laughs> like, my laughing was toning down once, like, <laughs> she got hit in the head with uh with the can of dog food but then when she went in the pool <laughs> and leo just whips out the flames <laughs> remember yeah. this Re remember the flamethrower from like a toss away gag in the first act i could back i legit could not breathe i was dying dude like it was so freaking funny like honestly I, when like I, when i saw it i was the youngest person in my theater by what looked like a good 30 years oh and they were losing it when the flamethrower oh, came awesome. out. That is awesome. It was a it was a remarkable experience being being in a theater after seeing with a bunch of older people. Yeah, and it's like oh, this is nice nostalgia. And then by the end, it's like it it was like the it was like their Avengers Assemble moment. It was like, <laughs> Do it! Once I saw this movie, I realized that Tarantino could really just do it like. A complete comedy movie like he, he would he, i think he would do really well in like a, vi a really violent comedy movie like this was like on the verge of like being i, I, I don't know if i would I, I don't know if it would be a complete co uh comedy but it was it had comedy elements into it but sure. if he just did a comedy movie i, I would be all about that 100 percent. i think tarantino has always had a really really good uh, comedic timing that and the writing is always so sharp i mean like come on guys how many people have quoted pulp fiction all the time like i don't remember asking you a goddamn th like come on like everyone <laughs> so many memorable lines in the, all of his movies the just the blending of comedy and tension like the the whole opening of that final fight scene like yeah you, you've got that tension because it's like oh boy this is the this is the night when it happens you know Brad Pitt, he's high on acid. Like, what's going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And the tension's building and building and building. 
and they kick in the door and his reaction is to just kind of look at him with like this goofy grin and just go uh can i help you yeah. as they're pointing a gun at their head and it's like you don't know what's going to happen oh yeah you're uh, laughing but there's like a little bit of nervousness to that laugh it's great yeah and the dog runs up to his balls. Oh, and my like... God, dude. I Like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I went to a 12-year-old at that moment and just started dying. I was like, ha, ha, he got bit there. Ha. Like, it was it was I... so funny. <laughs> Could not agree more. I, I loved when uh, the the Italian wife got brought out, too. And then, like, the, the <laughs> and then she got caught up in all that, too. It was so funny. I even liked the, the, the part that uh, right before it, right, where they're all in the car and, like, they're talking, like, hey, you know, like, it's their fault that we're like this because we, like, grew up watching violent shows. And it's like, yeah, you're right. It's like all that stupid, like, hippie garbage that, like, you say when you're that young. Just like, yeah, like, I'm 14 and this is deep kind of thing. Um, That's the the other big Tarantino moment. It's it's like if you've ever seen that wonderful uh, interview from, like, years and years and years ago where they put – it was him versus just some, some, you know, Pearl Clutch and – older lady who is campaigning you know think of the children violence in movies all that and there's this wonderful moment where she's just she's trying to understand him she can't wrap she can't wrap her head around people finding something like pulp fiction funny and (laughs) she's just she's just like but why all the violence why do things need to be so violent and he just cuts her off and goes because it's so much fun (laughs) (laughs) I, I also love the part too where they're walking up and the girl's like, wait, I, I, I left the knife. I got to go back. And yeah. then she just bolts out. She's like, all right, I'm out. That's <laughs> so funny. Maya Hawk goes and steals their car. They're just, they're just buffoons. It was great. In real, in real life, the, the Manson family were a bunch of cold-blooded killers and they murdered a bunch of innocent people. But while you're experiencing the magic of movies, wouldn't it be fun if they were buffoons who all died painfully and embarrassingly? <laughs> it was, it was, no, it you was what? really good. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, you know what I really liked about this movie? I liked how they, um, like, they showed, like, how serious, like, I think they did the Manson family, like, pretty, I wouldn't say spot on because I wasn't there, but, like, I've read up a lot about, like, how they, they were right. with, like, their cultish attitude and stuff mm. like that. When, like, they brought Cliff into that little... Um, the ranch. Uh, yeah, the little ranch. And you saw, like, everybody hanging out and stuff like that. And the old guy, you know, all that crap. I was just like, wow, like, this is, like... This is, like, what it must have, like... Pretty much was, like, a little bit... In, in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like... I was just expecting, like, what Mark said. You were just expecting everybody to die at the end. Like, all the, um, like, all the uh, actors and stuff. But um, I loved, like you were able to see like revenge on them this time. I, I I thought that was so funny and clever of Tarantino to do that. Yeah. I, I think you bring up a really good point now that you mentioned the ranch scene and kind of thinking back on it, this movie does a really good job of like subverting your expectations in a way. Right. Or at the very least building tension. Right. So to, to what Mark said before at the ending scene, when they first opened their door, there's a ton of tension. Cause you're like, huh, that was like kind of funny how uh, Cliff just was like, can I help you? But at the same time, you're still like, mm, Cliff is on acid right now. Is he still going to be the guy who beat Bruce Lee? Um, and I think you could say the same thing about uh, the, the ranch scene. Because um, it, it does a lot of really good things. One of which was the ending fight where it just beats the shit out of that one kid. That was so funny. Um, yeah. But at the same time, too, I think it does a really good job of developing Cliff's character. Because there's so much tension where he, where he keeps on insisting on seeing the owner of the ranch. Right. And everyone's like, no, no, no. And like, he's just like, no, I'm going to fucking go see it. That's a good way of developing his character in terms of like showing he's just that confident of a person. But at the same time, though, when you're walking down that that hallway, like I said before, there is so much tension, like the horror movie levels of tension. Um, And I think you keep seeing him milling about in the background as he's walking towards the the house. And it's like it's like you don't know, like this. This is an imaginary man. This guy never existed. He could die in this scene. You don't. You don't know. You're scared for him. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. Sharon Tate is going to make it to a certain point in the movie. You don't know when Brad Pitt is going to exit. Oh, exactly. And we all know to, to Mark's point too. Like it, it's one of those things where uh, we know about Manson, right? The the characters don't. So inherently, that already raises the tension. Um, I think, like I, I think that was uh, besides the ending scene. Like that was my favorite sequence in the entire movie um, because of all the other things that it did 
very well. Um, yeah, did you guys have any uh, other thoughts on, on the ranch scene? Like, there's a whole bunch of components. Like, I like the little part where uh, they had, like, uh, to make money, they did horseback riding in the valley for, like, random people. I thought it was, like, a, a little, like, uh, nice touch. But I'd love to hear you, uh, you guys thought there's anything else that stuck out to you in that sequence. I, I love that there's a little callback to the ranch scene during the climax where it's it's the the awkward like Mexican standoff moment where they, where he's just pointing the gun at Brad Pitt uh-huh. and he has a moment where he's like he's like hey I I know you yeah you were the guys from the ranch and all, <laughs> yeah. the, all the Manson people have this look of realization where they're like oh shit we broke into this guy's house <laughs> <laughs> and it's wonderful it's it's uh it's great the point point Brad Pitt at a hippie. And I'm and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. Uh, what else uh, did you like, Andrew? Was there anything else about the the ranch sequence since you brought it up that you felt like really stuck out to you? Well, I think just leading up to it, um, I I've been taking Austin Hicks's advice. Um, if everybody uh, here knows Austin Hicks, which I'm su- I'm assuming everyone does that listens to the channel, he does not like watching previews for a movie. Mm. That's just like. It's just like how he is. He doesn't like watching a preview or a trailer. He just goes into the movie uh, 90% of the time just like ready to just experience it without having any right. further knowledge of it. Going in blind, um, yeah. Right. I I did not know that they were going to throw the Mansons in there at first, in all honesty. Um, I loved when, you know, Pussycat like takes Cliff, Cliff to uh, the trailer, you know, to the um, to where she lives and everything like that. And then you see like um all the cultish people and then i'm like oh my gosh they're totally gonna bring charles manson in this now like i just thought it was just like a good execution and uh a good leading up to uh bringing out all these bad guys uh, in all honesty yeah yeah i i'd have to agree with you man um and uh i i think you know i just want to echo again we've said this a lot like the production design of that entire wrench was so well done right uh, it looked authentic. Everyone was wearing period, you know, clothing. Um, the, you know, Cliff's car was great. I think um, they really knocked it out of the park of that scene. Um, now, there is one person that we haven't really talked about a lot, and I think that's Leo's kind of like sequence and his whole arc of being on this TV show. Um, yes. I would love, love, love to hear what all of you, um, you know, thought of when you saw that. And there's a, actually, I, I also want to mention too, um, the performances from like even like, the side side characters in this movie were really great. Like we already mentioned Kurt Russell. I thought Timothy Oliphant like was great for, for his small part too. I thought the, the girl who played like the child actress was great too. Um, but yeah, I would just love to, to hear what you guys think of Leo's entire like part. Cause that was really like it, the movie almost like stopped and it's just like, this is Leo's like story kind of thing. Like this is his part. That, that whole little bit with him filming the Western TV show is actually one of my favorite bits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, also because, like, I love Western stuff. But just the whole bit, I, I don't know. It's just, something about the way he played that character made him very endearing, even though he was kind of a Hollywood fraud. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you get the sense where it's like, ah, he's, kind of, he's a little egotistical, you know, he's kind of sort of using his friend you know he's 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 not the best dude but all the same like when he kept blowing the line and then finally got it it's like that's a nice payoff i like this Mm -hmm. i like Mm -hmm. this character i like this scene i like all these people that are involved with it and i I love his friggin uh line about the seven goddamn whiskey sours that 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 bit in the trailer is is one of my favorite parts of the entire movie just in terms of little character moments yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you, man. Uh, um, no, no pushback from me. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Yeah, I just thought he did a really good job por- portraying like how actors like what they experience. Like, I mean, who knows if he's ever experienced moments like these where he feels like he's at the top and then he kind of hits rock bottom and he's mm-hmm. even struggling for lines. He kept saying "line, line" like at yeah. this one point of the movie. Um, and then they brought in this little girl, uh, Trudy, right? I forget I that, off the top of my head, but I, yeah, I think we both know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But I just thought it was just like a, a little nice little scene, like between, you know, a young little girl, like acting in a movie, um, not really, you know, there yet to where Leo was or is. Sure. And, um, she, she was kind of like helping him out and stuff like that. And, uh, she was trying to, um, help him with his lines and stuff. 
and she didn't really care about like the fact that he was like this all you know famous actor or anything like that but she cared about like you know that he was just like he was starting to become a nice person to her and stuff like that he mm-hmm. she saw that he was just a nice guy overall and he, he you know he had flaws and stuff like that and she wanted to help him uh i just thought it was cool how he portrayed like the hollywood person like what they go through on a day-to-day basis and like the stress and you know the emotions and all of that stuff yeah uh i i think um you hit really the nail on the head leo in, in this role especially i i, I haven't I'm not gonna say i've seen all of his filmography but i feel like this is almost the most vulnerable we've ever seen Leo in a role, right? Like he's, I think he broke down at least twice, right? He broke down in his trailer. And there was that one part where he was talking to the girl and he was talking about the story of, of yeah. the book he's reading. And then he just starts crying because he realizes the, the book is about himself, really. Um, and like those are like really profoundly human moments, right? Um, and where he like yells at himself because he's drunk and like gets himself in the zone and then he knocks it out of the park. And then there's that euphoria of just like, yes, I pulled myself out of the rut. I think that's all like, Profoundly human moments. I think we've all had those moments in our life, and uh, they should be celebrated. And it, the movie does a very good job of of showing that in the context of an actor, right? It's I think it's super easy to think of like actors as like snobs and whatnot, but um, what their prof- their profession is so unique that um, the challenges are unique, and they're not things that we really know. The movie does a good job of articulating that. Um, I also, I want to echo something that Mark said before about Cliff is like the ultimate best friend, like let's be real he's like a glorified like butler in a way like yeah. chauffeur like like leo's paying him like yo just be my best friend kind of thing but like uh, even in the beginning right where uh he has that talk with al pacino and he like walks out he's like started crying and like immediately brad pitt notices what's wrong he's just like yeah what's wrong partner like it was a very subtle moment like in in, in theory like it's just like you know, it's just a friend checking up on him but like you can tell that brad pitt genuinely cares right he he does all these random things for him picks him up from work like even gives him like uh, like one short motivational line like right before he gets on set like he really does care and i, I think their relationship is one of the best parts of this movie it feels like almost like an alfred to batman kind of like relationship I would, yeah that's that's a good analogy for sure because like Bruce Lee, uh, Bruce not Bruce Lee, um, Bruce Lee is like in his own world, and he's like focused on you know the pe- the people around him, like taking care of the city and stuff like that, and right. you know taking care of himself. And Alfred's like this selfless, loving, caring, hospitable person, and, and he's just he's only focused on Bruce Wayne, nobody else, like just helping him and uh, being being there for him and taking care of him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark, did you? What would you think of uh, that part of the movie? Was that one of your favorite parts too? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just their whole relationship. Like in a way, Sharon Tate is kind of like the soul of the movie, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. their relationship is definitely like the heart of it. Yeah, you know, there, there's that little moment after the whole uh, Italy detour when he gets back and he's like, yeah, look, look, partner, I'm married, so we can't afford to keep you around anymore. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah, oh, dude, that was heartbreaking. I hope, they, I hope they'll still hang out. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> it was also funny, too, like, <laughs> even up until the end, right, like, to, to what you are saying before, Cliff is the ultimate best friend. Like, he was carrying all, like, the wife's luggage and stuff to, at yeah. the airport. I was like, wow, man, this guy is dedicated. It's like, there's 15 minutes left in this movie, and I'm sitting here like, but the imaginary movie men are going to hang out still, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that they're definitely, like like I said before, I think we all agree that um, the scenes that include Brad Pitt and Leo um, are, are probably the strongest parts of the movie. Um, that said, though, we've talked a lot about the praises. We've touched a little bit on some of the stuff we didn't like. Um, I know for myself and Andrew, especially, we really didn't like the stuff with Sharon Tate just because it narratively um, kind of falls a little flat. Uh, but I'd love to hear if there's anything else that you felt like really detracted from your experience in the movie. Mark? Uh, I mean, nothing's really coming to mind. Mm-hmm. It, it's in terms of like really detracting. Right. Um I felt the length a little bit, uh, not as much as some of Tarantino's other movies. Like, I like I love Hateful Eight. I I I was on the edge of my seat the entirety of Hateful Eight, but I also really felt the length for that. One. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give another try just for you, Mark. I promise. It's it's <laughs> that was a it's one of the. 
it's one of those movies where it's like it's it's a slow burn and if you let it ramp up you eventually when you realize the boulder is rolling down the hill it's too late to slow down like once it gets going it gets going but uh this one is not so much in terms of how it's it's just a stream of events leading to a, a dramatic climax there's a little bit more meandering sure. but like i said i always i i felt that that you know the the scenes of just brad pitt driving around and stuff like i felt like that really helped add to the atmosphere mm-hmm. so you know there there are parts where it slows down but i think it all worked to the the overall benefit of the film word word uh andrew anything else that really stuck out to you that you want to point out yeah um i just wanted to say it, it was just um okay May I just say that Leo definitely, this was one of his best performances in movies, in my opinion. I 100% agree with you. Absolutely. Um, With that being said, though, it was just, it it was a very heavy movie most of the time. It was kind of like too much heaviness. Like, it was just like, okay, like, we get it, we get it, we get it. And it was just slow. It was, on top of that, it was slow. And it felt like it was taking forever. And then it picks up at the very end. It was just kind of, not what I expected this movie to be. I, I, I felt like I was expecting more out of this movie, and at the end of the day, it was wasn't even close to like what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, I think that's a sentiment that I would probably really share. Uh, so, uh, Andrew kind of already went there, but I do want to throw it just just in case there's anything else. Um, I, we could go into final ratings uh, unless there's something that either of you really want to talk about in the movie before we get to that. All right, so final ratings for me. Um, in my opinion, uh, if you're a Tarantino fan like me, I am a Tarantino. I, I have all of his movies on Blu-ray, DVD. Um, you gotta see this movie at least once. Like I said, that even about the uh, the Joker movie. Like right. that is a movie that you have to see at least once. Like I don't care. Like if you know you don't want to see it in the theaters or anything like that. It's out of theaters now. But if you want to wait for it on DVD, then that's fine. You should watch it. Um, but for me, it's a one-timer. Like I saw it like literally once upon a time and, uh, I would have to give it, I would, I would give it a six out of 10 for, for me, it was not, um, it was not something I would see again. I'm happy that I saw it because right. I love Tarantino, but, right. um, it was not one of his best ones. Yeah. So you give it like a, a matinee basically, like you wouldn't go pay full price, but it's not like a rental kind of thing. Like, yeah, I, I pay for a discount kind of thing. Absolutely. Word, word. Mark, how about you? So for this one, I would say, obviously if you're a Tarantino fan, I mean, you, chances are you've seen it already. It's a, it's a Tarantino movie. Uh, but I mean, it's, if, if you're like me, if you're into that whole 70s vibe if you if you're if you're a fan of atmosphere in movies if that if that's the kind of thing that really rings your bell then i think this one's really going to work for you uh in terms of numerical rating i'm torn i don't know i don't know if i'd give it i feel like giving it an 8.5 would be a cop out at that point i should just round up to a 9 but mm. uh eh, screw it i'll I'll say i'll say 8.5 Spill scale, again, tough tough to decide between full price or better than sex. Probably very, very f- high full price, I'd say. Okay. It, it made it into my top five of last year. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't even know it was, that. It was number five, but it was still in there. Listen, it still, it still made it. <laughs> if you're number five, you're still in the top five, right? Um, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I think, um, you know, I, I think I'm just in the, in, I'm actually in the middle of both of you. I, I think this movie, like we've said before, the, there are so many aspects about it that are knocked out of the park, like the production design, the costume design, the cinematography, the music, the atmosphere. Like these are all like objectively very, very well, if not knocked out of the park, right? Kind of thing. Like these are better than your average movie, better than your like, you know, random Netflix movie kind of thing. Really, really well oh, done. Yeah. But where it falls apart, and I, and I say that as not meaning that like the movie is terrible, but where uh, it really gets to me is something I, I share with Andrew is that it's it's a little too long, uh, and I think that uh, some of it just doesn't make sense narratively. Like in a vacuum, it works, um, 
but narratively sometimes it, it gets kind of lost and we get into this whole thing Quentin Tarantino be like hey look look at this thing this is cool right but what about this and what about this kind of thing um I think Quentin, uh, another thing too Quentin Tarantino calm down with the feet thing man like I get it like good for you <laughs> do you but like we do not need that many close-ups of feet you know I'm gonna I mean? I'm gonna hard agree with that because that, <laughs> that's the thing I feel like I feel bad because it's like all right you know no, no judgment whatever that's, yeah like whatever that's, that's, listen different that's folks for different folks you know like if that's, but, your uh, thing, that's okay but like it it was specifically the scene where where Sharon Tate goes to watch the Wrecking Crew yeah yeah and she's chilling in the movie theater and it's just big ass dirty ass seventies ass oh my god yeah. And like I started laughing my ass off. It completely took me out of the scene. And I was like, I feel bad because this wouldn't be taking me out of the scene if this yeah. wasn't in a Quentin Tarantino movie. But these combinations of variables <laughs> prevents me from taking this shot seriously. Oh, oh, definitely. And there was also that part of me too. Immediately, as someone who like grew up, like where you just you're not allowed to do that, like in the house kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like, like as soon as she did that, I was like, man, like take your dirty ass feet off this chair, man. Clean your feet. Um, uh, but overall, I I give it a matinee. Um, I I would say like it's probably on the lower side of a matinee than the higher side. Um, but it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the means. I think it's a really really good movie, just not a great one. And I don't think it's Tarantino's best. Um, I think for me that's still like what I love is Django and Chain and Pulp Fiction, um, personally. Yes. Uh, but I think um, you know, it's it's interesting for sure. Like it, it's. I think you could say for sure that is unlike any other movie in his filmography, but at the same time, it takes like little bits and pieces from all of his filmography, which I think is very, very interesting. Um, all right. So before we go, before we do shout outs and everything like that, I do want to ask both of you one thing. Do you think Tarantino is actually going to stick this whole thing of like, Oh, I'm only going to make 10 films and I'm retiring. If he does that, like I'll have mad respect for him for keeping his word and honestly like but i would not want him to leave off with this movie just being his last one i feel like he needs to have one like one blowout movie just like him just going all out not making it too long um something crazy like something along the lines of like a kill bill you know or like a django unchained so just something crazy um if he leaves off with this movie uh, i'll be kind of disappointed but, uh, man, I'm just, I would really hope for just one more movie, in all honesty, if that's the truth. Hmm. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, this, this would be the ninth one, right? Because Hateful Eight was number eight. Yeah, and Kill Bill so, Volume 1 and Volume 2 are considered one, according to yeah, him. Yeah, so that would mean we got one more in the, uh, in the pipes there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he did just one more big Tarantino movie, and then he was like, that's it. But at the same time, like, I remember, like, a year or two ago, he was supposed to be making uh, a fucking R-rated Star Trek movie. Oh, yes. And I, I remember hearing about this. Yeah. Yeah. He sure as hell wouldn't let that be his 10th and final film. So, you know, I, I, I would say I wouldn't be sure. Now that that's apparently fallen through, I wouldn't be shocked if he was like, all right, number 10, this is going to be the last one. I retire undefeated. <laughs> Or, uh, but at the same time, I, he strikes me as a guy who just loves movies too much to yeah. where I, it's, it's one of those things where I wouldn't be shocked, but at the same time, part of me would be, yeah, I'd be I, like, it's, it's a, like, oh, he did it, which makes sense. Cause it's him, but also, wow, he did it. Totally get so, what you're saying, man. We'll yeah. I, I, I'd have to echo kind of your sentiment. Uh, it's, I think it's very clear, abundantly clear that Tarantino is passionate about movies and that's like to that's his strength and also his detriment in his movies as we've you know kind of gone through his, his, this film um I think it would be great if he sticked his guns I think that that's a rare thing it's kind of like the retired boxer who actually stays retired right um yeah. <clears throat> but at the same time uh, Mark's right like this is a guy who clearly lives and breathes films and I think that when you're a genius like Tarantino, once you get that itch of the story that you feel like you have to tell, there's no like getting rid of it kind of thing. That that's that's my observation. I could I could see him I doing one more and moving on to uh, uh, novels or plays because he did that with yeah. Uh, Hateful Eight. That, that's apparently yeah, Hateful Eight was was going to be a uh, a stage show, and I think he wrote a sequel novel to Django. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's interesting. 
I, I know that he also wrote scripts for like, you know, the, the TV series that's like kind of like uh, Leo's in in the movie. Apparently he wrote actually like episodes and then yeah. he wants to actually make it happen. Yeah. He wanted to make Bounty Law. Yeah. That'd um, be great. I, I, I would love a Tarantino I, I would watch it. I would watch it 100%. On a, on a like white hats versus black hats style like 60s, 70s western serial. I think that'd be a blast. Didn't Especially if there was no it? twist, if it was just straight up that, if there was no like blood or swearing, <laughs> if it was just Tarantino emulating the like squeaky clean westerns of, of yesteryear, that'd be fun to watch, I think. Oh, definitely. Uh, I'm sorry, Andrew, what were you going to say? Sorry about that. Um, I thought Tarantino already made 10 films. Well, I think he considers Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2 as one film, um, and that's why it's actually at number nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So you're that. right. He secondly directed 10 films, but he just considers those two as like one kind of thing. I honestly thought this was his last one. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> uh, and now we got one more. Don't worry. We got at least one more. Who knows what it what Ooh. it's going to be. Um, but gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on this review. Uh, it's, it feels good to, to be with the boys again and to, to be able to talk about the, the things that we love. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd love to give this opportunity for you guys to give any shout outs, you know, words you want to say to the people. Uh, the floor is yours. Well, I just want to say um, thank you, Adam, for bringing me on here. Um, it was great talking to you, too. Of course, man. Um, thank you. Uh, shout out to Jake in Chicago. I miss you, man. Um, I hope you're listening to this. Uh, I can't wait to see you and go see a movie and do a review with you. And shout out to Austin. I know you have to get up early for work tomorrow. <laughs> wish you could have popped on. But um, when you get a chance, just take a listen to this and then tell me what you think of the movie. Amen, brother. How about you, Mark? Yeah, no, this, this was a, this is a blast. Hopefully we get some more of these, uh, running. I'm, I'm not quite as, uh, active in the social media spheres as I used to be, but I'm always down to, uh, talk some movies with my friends. It's a Hell good time. Yeah. That's what it's all about boys. Uh, you know, I got to give a shout out to both of you and obviously all the people in our crew, um, you know, me familia, um, it, you know, it, it might be all, you know, we're all separated, especially because of Corona, but uh, it, it feels good to be able to come back and just to hop on a call and, you know, just do things just like old times. I think that's really, really rare. Um, so I appreciate all of you. And of course, everyone that watched, uh, even if you're not part of the crew, thank you so much for watching. Um, if you can subscribe, I promise that I'm going to try to, to get more of these kind of reviews, uh, organized just so that we can continue to just talk about, you know, the stuff that we love. Um, and of course, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore bomb, B O M M B. Uh, I'll post some updates there and also stuff related to my work. If that's actually something that you really care about. Uh, but you know, just want to give a shout out to all of you. Uh, and we're back. We're back, baby.